Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back. We'll bring them forward to you. We'll get them to you. You've got an app on your phone. Get rid of the angry birds right now and go to your book of Romans. Okay. You guys still play angry birds? I don't know. Tells you how updated I am on my games. I'm still stuck back in the 90s and 2000s. So 2000. Romans chapter 8. Today we're finishing our study of Romans 8 and the radical response to God's grace. The radical response to God's grace. I hope and pray that as we've gone through Romans 8, um, that you've been engaged and you've been learning and challenged. And um, hopefully as we wrap this up today and we move on to our next series, um, you're going to be encouraged by truth. Romans chapter 8, we will start in verse 34. Verse 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He is sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. I don't know about you, but there are times when I read through the Bible and I read something, I look at them going, okay, and then I read a little bit more and, and then it's like, now wait a minute. I don't get it. I was just told one thing, but I'm told another thing. And they, not that they conflict, but they're sort of not, I'm going to say opposites. When I'm reading, you are chosen and you are loved. And then I read, there's no one righteous. No, not one. Oh, you are light. You're brilliant. Then it's like, no, you're, you're in darkness. You fall short. You're dim. Oh, you can do all things through Christ. You're being slaughtered like sheep. You know what I'm saying? When you read, it's like, well, these things come at you and it's like, wait, I'm getting a little confused. And, and when I'm reading here in Romans 8, verses 36 to 37, I sort of caught that for a moment. It says in verse 36, the scriptures say, for your sake, we're being killed every day. We're being like sheep that are slaughtered. And then the very next breath, Paul writes, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Another translation, for you are more than conquerors in Christ who loves us. And I'm reading that, I'm going, wait a minute. Slaughtered like sheep? Conquerors. Slaughtered like sheep? Victorious. I, I sort of felt like there's this bipolar thing going on where it's like I get confused. Which one am I, which direction am I going? Which, so I was like, Paul, help me out here. You're, are you saying we're like sheep? And it's like, yes, we're like sheep. Okay. Now I want you to think about this church. Jesus often refers to himself as being the shepherd and we are his sheep. It's a picture that during this time, everyone reading, anyone listening would have quickly said, I get it. We, sheep, we hear sheep all the time out in the pasture fields. We, they're being you know, herded in and they're being led around and we get it. We see them all the time. Now for us, we only get it during the Fulton County Fair. That's about the only time we get this sheep picture, right? But back then, everybody gets it. In Ezekiel 34, 31, it says this. You are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people and I am your God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Psalm 103 says this, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. 
He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. It seems that we're called sheep all throughout the Bible. People are referenced as being sheep. And so here we are in Romans 8, verse 36 and 37. is, Yep, you're, you're sheep, but you're being slaughtered. And you're also more than conquerors. You're like super sheep. And I, I heard a comedian one time talk about super sheep. And, and, I, and I don't remember his whole spiel. And I didn't, you know, reference and look it up and to share it with you. But you can probably Google it sometime. I think it's Ken Davis that did that. But I'm, I'm looking at this, and I, I almost had to laugh because I'm thinking about this super sheep. That's like jumbo shrimp. There's just two words that don't go together, right? right. Think about this. Has anybody here ever raised sheep? I'm just curious. Anybody ever? Okay, okay. i got two people I want to testify. Help me out. On an intelligent scale of sheep, 1 to 10, 1 being they are so dumb, and 10 being they are incredibly intelligent, where would you put them at? About a 2. Good. Probably there too. Okay, so help uh, you know, just to help you out. They got a two out of ten. They're pretty much dumb. Okay. I before I stood up here, you know, I grew up on a farm. We had pigs and we had cows. We did not have sheep, but we had them at the fair. Okay. I'm, I was. I, I wanted everybody else to hear it. I didn't want you to think, oh, he's just giving his one-sided view. Nope. You've heard a testimony about us. Okay. Anyone who shows sheep at the fair, you get it. If you've been to the fair and you've walked to the sheep barn, you get it, okay, hopefully. Um, my grandfather was like the president of the 4-H board, and he was the uh, caretaker for the grounds, and so his house was located right there on the fair. So growing up, during the fair, we would we'd forget the camper. We just went up to the house and lived with Grandpa and Grandma, and we had the runs of the fairgrounds during that week. So besides showing animals, we got to live there. And my dad sometimes would sleep in some of the animal barns just to make sure no monkey business took place out there. And, and no problem in a steer barn. We had steers. No problems there. They just they'd lay down and they stand up and they lay down and they stand up and they just eat. Okay, Pigs, same way. As long as you put some food in their pen, they're, they're okay. They don't care. Sheep, they're like in their pen like, bah, bah, and they look around and next thing you know, bah, and they jump out. It's like... Why did you just jump out? They, if you ever looked at a sheep and they jumped out of their pen, they give you that dumbfounded look like, heh, I don't know what I did, but I'm out here now. Where do I go, right? What do they, they jump in somebody else's pen. And like, ah, like, and the other sheep are like, what are you doing here? I don't know. I just, I'm a two out of ten. So, but if you look at the sheep, that's just the way they are. They're this, they give that silliest puzzled look. And, and here's the other thing about sheep. They're not very intimidating, Right? Now, there's a lot of NFL fans in this room, okay? And you're excited because it kicks off today. You're going to see the Lions, the Bears. You're going to see Ravens and Bengals and Panthers play. There are no sheep playing today. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? There are no 350-pound men wearing a sheep outfit, okay? It's not going to happen. They're easily spooked. They're scaredy cats. I don't know why when people say, you, you know, you get scared, you're a chicken. They ought to call them a sheep. They really should. And sheep are dependent. Think about this. They follow each other everywhere they go. There's not many leaders when it comes to sheep. If they're going this way, let's, let's go with them. We could be going the wrong way. We could go off a cliff. That's, let's all go together. Okay. That's what they do. That's why they, in 4-H, they jump the pen. They jump in with other sheep because they don't know what they're doing. They say, hey, you're all here. Hey, we're all together. Good. What does that mean? I don't know. Because they're also dumb, right? So, I just want you to think about this for a second. Dumb, dependent, followers, wanderers, easily scared. Is it any wonder why Jesus said, all we like sheep? 
Isaiah, matter of fact, Isaiah is the one that said, oh, we like sheep. We've gone astray. We've turned away, each and every one of us. Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they, referring to the people, were confused and helpless. Okay? Like what? Sheep without a shepherd, it says. Okay, now I use all that and share this with you because I want you to understand, when you're reading the Bible, sheep are not exactly the greatest animal to be compared to. That's who we're called. We're like sheep. Jesus again shares in Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 7. Why don't you turn there with me? Put something in Romans if you want to come back. And turn to Luke chapter 15. Jesus has been talking to some religious leaders. And then he's trying to get across to these religious leaders the importance of salvation, of being found in Christ. And he says in verse, if you look with me, verse 3. So Jesus told him a story. If a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for that one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Trust me, God loves it when we don't stray away. But he is super excited when somebody who doesn't know Jesus is found. He gets really excited. And when I think about that, Jesus looks at us like these lost sheep. And he rejoices when we're no longer lost. But here's the thing. Church, understand this. We are more than sheep who have been found. Are you hearing me? We are more than sheep who have been found. We are, I know this is a silly term, but we're super sheep. We're super victorious. Paul says, look with me back at Romans 8, verse 37. This is what the sermon's all about today, if you haven't figured it out yet. It says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If Paul was making this chapter a musical, about this time the music would begin to play. I wish I was musically inclined here because I'd start playing it. And he'd break out in the words of a, it's not such a great theologian, Freddie Mercury, but he'd be singing, we are the champions, my friends. We'll keep on fighting to the end. Okay. A good song, right? Okay. That was back in 1977 when that came out. Never made number one. Never, never hit the top of the charts, okay? That British band was a queen that, that sang that. Even though it never hit number one, three decades later, they did a worldwide poll. You know what the, world, the world's most favorite song was? Three decades after the song was written, we are the champions. Everybody loves it, right? We are the champions, my friend. We'll keep on fighting to the end. Now, Mark Batterson, he's a pastor. He claims that although the singer, uh, obviously, was not a theologian, he said this would have been a good paraphrase for Romans chapter 8. Think about how Romans 8 starts, okay? We're champions, right? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, 
Think about that. And then throughout, the, if you could go out throughout the song, being chosen, being called, being justified as we read through Romans 8. That could be part of the lyrics. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Sort of as you're getting crescendoing to the end of the song. What a great chapter. Concluding with what? We are the champions. We are the conquerors. This, listen, this isn't just a, a fun thought here that I'm having, okay? But sometimes I need that to think it through. Because sometimes I don't feel like a champion. And I'm sure there's many of you in here that don't feel like a champion. Oh, we like singing that song. When do we sing that song? When we're winning. Have you ever heard a losing team singing that song? Nope. Super victorious. More than conquerors. This isn't just a title given to you because of your accomplishments. See, we think if we're accomplished something, if we do something then we're worthy of being called a champion. We're worthy of having a title. But God says, no, 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 you haven't done anything. My son did it all, but I will still give you this, uh, this opportunity. Not really a title, but an identity. Back in 1983, I actually had the opportunity to be a part of a championship team. Here is my state championship ring. I've got a ring. I have a title. Makes me feel good, Right? But let me tell you something. It's just a title. It's it's just a ring. It's not my identity. The problem is when we as human beings take our accomplishments and make it our identity, that's when we get a little messed up. We can very easily do the same and say, I'm saved, right? I'm a Christian. That wasn't your doing. That wasn't your task, your job. You were saved by grace. By faith in Jesus Christ, I am more than a conqueror. That's not a label. That's not a title. Church, that is your identity. That's your identity. When people say, who are you? You can easily say, my identity? Who am I? I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Even if we've failed a thousand times, and we will, and even if we have countless bad days, and we will have them, you are still more than a conqueror. Go ahead, rate yesterday. Scale one to 10. One horrible day, 10 awesome day. I don't care where you landed, you are more than a conqueror. Drop the scale. I understand that we may not feel like more than conquerors, but we are. It takes time to take on a new identity because we're so wrapped up in what our past is, isn't it? It's like putting on that new pair of jeans. It doesn't feel the greatest the first couple times you put on those jeans and you squeeze and you wiggle and like, Ooh. But I'm telling you, like, months later, for me, years later, you know, it's like, I love these jeans, right? I love how they feel. Your identity in Christ right now, you may not feel like more than a conqueror, but that's who you are. And as you grow in your faith and you mature in your faith, someday you'll be walking around and your shoulders back, your chin up, saying, I'm more than a conqueror. Do you have a bad day? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Through Christ, I'm victorious. And you can proclaim that. You can proclaim that because it's true. Many of you enjoy college football, right? Some of you are just like silly giddy right now because it's like college football is so fun. My Saturdays are awesome, okay? I get that. I want you to rewind with me about 100 years ago, actually 100 years ago, 1916, when Georgia Tech defeated Cumberland College. 
The final score was 222 to zero. A little lopsided, would you say? Um, it was actually the most lopsided victory in college football history. Coach uh, John Heisman, Heisman Trojan, okay, he ran up the score just a little bit, okay? Um, it could have been worse, though, because Cumberland did build a human pyramid and they blocked an extra point. Good for them. 223 it could have been. I honestly think the kicker is so tired of kicking, he just, he probably just booted it into the ground, but it could have been worse. But think about that lopsided victory. That was a huge victory. It's a super victory if you measure by points, right? When you look at those kind of scores, it's like you can't beat anybody worse than that. That is like an incredible victory. When you read Romans 8, 37, church, I want you to understand, when we look at that phrase, more than conquerors, it's a 222 to zero victory. That's what we're talking about here. You can't get more victorious than what this is. It's, It's like my favorite, one of my favorite Bible verses I preach on it often. I repeat myself a lot. Sometimes, you know, you've been around me like, Rex, you told that story before, or you mentioned it. Yeah, I know, I get it. I'm to that age in my life where I start repeating myself, okay? But here's the thing. When I get in front of you on a Sunday morning with Scripture, if I repeat myself, it's because I really love that verse and because God speaks to me through this verse. Romans 8, 37, my favorite, one of my favorite verses. And you're like, wait, I thought that other one was your favorite verse. I've got a bunch of them, Okay. But if you look in here, more than conquerors, that phrase, more than conquerors, as you've heard me say this before, it's a Greek word, a couple words that are put together. It's, it's pronounced hooper nikale, hooper nikale, okay? But it looks like hyper Nike is what it looks like if you write it out. But it's pronounced hooper nikale. And hooper, that first part, hyper, means super, above, greater than, over on top of. That's not that first part of the word, okay? The hooper, okay? The second part of the word, Nikeo, which when you look at it, it looks like it says Nike, okay? It's because that's what it was. Nike was the goddess of victory. So back in Paul's day, the, those that were competing, those that lived, they would take their sacrifices and go to the temple of Nike and sacrifice to Nike, hoping that they would be victorious in competition. Paul says, identifying with his readers, saying, when you are in Christ, you are you are hyper Nike. You're above super beyond the goddess of victory in Christ. People thought Nike was the altar. We still just, you know, look around. We've got this swoosh going everywhere when we wear Nike, right? I'm okay with that because now every time I wear Nike or I see Nike, what do I think? Romans 8, 37. In Christ, I'm bigger than that. In Christ, I'm bigger than that. I'm above that. Paul knows his readers get it. When he compounded that phrase to describe a super victory, it's a 222 to zero victory is what it is. Right there in front of us, not even close. So when we look in the mirror, here's the thing. You and I, you and I look in the mirror. We get up in the morning or you go home from lunch, you look in the mirror. We don't recognize super victory, do we? You recognize super tired. You recognize super frustrated, super angry, super defeated. Because why? We're so focused on our losses and our trials. See, we define ourselves by what somebody did to us or what we've done to somebody else and we regret. We've forgotten that there is no condemnation. We have forgotten that we are forgiven and that those actions were paid for on the cross. Whatever it is you're dealing with, it was taken care of on the cross. There's no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus Christ. 
When you look in the mirror and you're looking at all those mistakes, those frustrations, what people did to you and what you did to other people, you need to stop it. Because that's not who you are in Christ. You are forgiven. Our new identity is that of super victorious, more than conqueror. Those of you who know me, you know I like sports. Okay, But here's the deal. You don't have to speak sports terminology every time you talk to me. It's like, oh, he likes sports. i got to think of something sporty. You don't have to do that, okay? I like other things in life too. Food, music, you know, there's a lot of things, okay? Just outdoors stuff. Just You don't have to talk sports, okay? But here's the thing. When it comes to watching TV, I, I choose sports over everything else. I get tired of the garbage on TV, but I feel like sports, at least I can get something good, okay? But if it's a team that I really enjoy, I will record it and I'll watch it later. That way I don't have to watch the commercials. Two, I don't have to control my time schedule around a TV or a game. When I'm available to watch it, I'll watch it, okay? And I can watch it in my own leisurely time. And as I mentioned to JD this morning and, and Mike, they're setting up chairs, I said, I, I can still watch a three-hour game in 60 minutes when I, record it, when I record it. I just saved myself a couple hours, right? But here's the thing. I don't want to know the score. I've recorded it. Do not tell me the score of the game if I'm recording it. Because my plans in my mind is to get home, to sit down in my chair, to have maybe something to eat or drink, and I'm going to watch the game and be surprised by what happens, okay? So please, my my family knows this. They're like, hey, do you want to? Nope, nope, nope. Don't even talk about it. Well, all I was going to say is that was enough. They lost. Thanks. They're like, I didn't say anything. What you just said leads me to believe that they probably lost, so I'm not going to, you know, it's like that's how fanatic I can be sometimes, okay? And they know this. So here's the thing. I'm trying to change, okay? I'm trying to change. The truth is, I'm sort of okay with knowing the score now. I'm sort of okay with that. You know why? Because if I spend all that time watching my team make mistakes, turn the ball over, make errors, and lose, I now have a bunch of pent-up frustration inside of me from that loss, Now, if I know they're going to lose, I don't have to watch it. They lost. Okay, they lost. I don't want to watch how they lost. They lost. Okay. But here's the the great thing. If they won, I can watch that game with peace. Oh, they just fumbled the ball. That's okay. We win. It's going to be all right. We turn the ball over two more times. No, we we, we win. This is going to be good. I can't wait to see how we're going to pull this one out. Does that make sense to you all? There's probably nobody else like that in this room, right? It's just me. Some of the wives are like, that's you too, right? That's the way it is with our faith. I don't know if you've read the end of the story. Revelation, who wins in the end? We do. Did you know that? Did you know we're already victorious? Did you know that our God wins? Did you know he already won? Here's the thing. It's like, I'm living my life now with a bunch of fumbles and mistakes, but I know this, in the end, we're going to win. So it's going to be okay. So instead of burying my head and being frustrated, you know what? This mistake is a mistake or this this sin is a sin and I'm going to stumble, but I want to get back up. Because you know why? Because I'm victorious in Christ. In the end, I'm going to win. We will be spiritually knocked down. Temptations will come and fight us. But you know what? The fight is fixed. It's fixed. No contest. We win. 
And knowing that today and tomorrow can be a victory celebration, shouldn't that change our attitude? Shouldn't it? You feel like a loss today? We win. Just a reminder, okay? We win. Now, being victorious and knowing that you already won, shouldn't that change how you go into the rest of today and facing the things that you're going to face? And I don't know if I can handle this. What do you mean you don't know if you can handle this? You're super victorious. In Christ, you can be victorious. So why are you heading off in today already feeling like you lost? Remember this about the devil. He is our enemy. He is not all-powerful. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-present everywhere. He is not God. He was a created being. Everybody got that? So don't, do not treat Satan like he is God, because he is not. But he is super crafty, and he is our enemy. And we are more than conquerors because we're fighting against an enemy that is more than human. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers or the past, the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. When Jesus died on the cross, our enemy, the devil, thought he won. He threw up his hands like, yes! When Jesus went down, he thought the game was over, but it wasn't. What Jesus Christ was, when he went down, he stepped on death and conquered death and crushed death. And busted out of that, decra- that grave and declared what? Eternal victory. Eternal victory. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the victorious spirit of Jesus Christ, what? Enters our life. Guess what? We are now in Christ more than victorious. That's not a label. That is your identity. That's who you are. Philippians 2, 6-11 says this. Though he was God, referring to Jesus Christ, though he was God, he did not consider himself to be equal with God and cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, that of a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated Jesus to the highest place. And gave him the name above all names, that the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow on earth and under heaven. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our victor. He is our God. You know, I read that when Green Bay Packers, when they won Super Bowl forty-five the night before they played, Coach Mike McCarthy got his team around and they got everybody's fingers out and they sized up. What size Super Bowl ring are you going to need? Okay, and they started writing them down. The night before the game. That's brilliant coaching. To let your team, you know what? You're already victorious. I know we're not playing till tomorrow, but you're already victorious. What size ring are you going to need? Isn't that what God does with us? He declares us a champion through Jesus Christ. We have yet to receive it, but when we go to heaven, there's a crown awaiting. James 1, 2 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In this life, like our Savior, we may feel like we wear nothing but crowns of thorns at times with the pain we go through. But in heaven, we will wear crowns that are incorruptible and will possess an inheritance that will never slip away. Church, you are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. You are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Do not think of yourself any less. 
Are you hearing me? Do not think of yourself any less. That's false humility. And I believe false humility can be just as bad, if not worse, than pride. Pride is when you believe something about yourself that's not true. That's pride. You know what false humility is? That's not believing something about yourself that is true. Don't let sin keep knocking you down, church. You had a pity party today? Throw it away. If you had one planned for 3 o'clock today, forget it. Do not show up to that pity party. If you've been having pity parties, stop it. There's no place for that in your life. Lift up your head. Throw back your shoulders. It's time to stop living like you're defeated. All you're doing is giving the devil a foothold. Every time we put our heads down and like, oh, I can't. I'm just, oh, that devil's like, he's what? Oh, I just got victory in that Christian's life. Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world, but he conquered death. We find our identity, not our behavior, not our works, not our failures, but our identity is in Jesus Christ. Those things do not define us. Your failure does not define you. Your sins and your mistakes do not define you. Your frustrations do not define you. You're defined by the blood of Jesus Christ, by you saying, I'm placing my faith in that Savior, Jesus Christ, my Savior. The person sitting next to you right now with all the flaws they have, they have flaws just like you. Guess what? Together, that person, you, me, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Praise God that we're forgiven. Praise God that we're redeemed from death. Praise God that we've been given a crown of life. Praise God that we are now super conquerors. We are more than victorious. Are you hearing me, church? We are more than victorious. And I look and see what God's doing in this church right now, and it gets me excited. For the ladies' groups that continue to meet their Bible studies, for the men's group that's going to meet tonight, when I look outside my window at the office and I see this building going up, knowing that incredible things are taking place, when I see people being baptized and lives being changed, we are more than victorious. In spite of what you see going around in this world, God is good. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. We are definitely like sheep. We are definitely like sheep. We go our own way. and I can't even imagine when Jesus was standing there looking at the people, just feeling sorry. He had compassion for them. Because he said they look lost, confused, helpless. And that's the way you've always looked at us when we've tried to do things on our own. We can't. So you sent the ultimate sacrifice your son, Jesus Christ, to pay for the sins that we can't pay for, to clean up the mess that we can't clean up, to take away those sins. And that ultimate sacrifice was paid, and on the cross, death was conquered. Victory was claimed. And since that day, we look back and we say, wow, that's the only way it could be done. And it was done. It's finished. And now today, we can be victorious through you. God, forgive us if we have forgotten that truth. If we think, well, I'm not good enough, forgive us. That's, that's just false humility. 
by your love, by your grace, you've given us something we don't deserve. You've freely given that to us. We need to accept it. We need to live in a way that honors you. So God, I just pray for this church right now. Help us to be more than conquerors because that's who we are. And if we're struggling right now with something in our life that's like, I don't know, this just keeps beating me down. God, may your spirit rise up and say, but you're victorious in Christ. And as we gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ and the people within this church, help us, Lord, to pray with each other, to encourage each other. Whether it's a small group, whether it's a ladies' study, whether it's the men's group, whether it's just families from this church who meet out at a ball field because their kids are playing soccer together or maybe they're at a concert together. In those moments when they're out eating together, Lord, may we just look at each other and say, how you doing? Can I pray for you? Because you are victorious in Christ even though you're not feeling it right now. Help us to be continually reaching out to one another because you've reached out to us. Lord, we want to worship you now in song. We want to sing to you because you are an awesome and amazing God. In thy name we pray. Amen.